Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to the Big Cruise Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 158 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm one of your hosts, and it is with great pleasure that we bring you yet another episode jam-packed of all things cruise. Of course, Chris will be joining us in just a moment to bring uh, his usual maritime history and uh, answering uh, listener questions. And of course, we will together weave in the latest news from around the world. But before we get to that, just a quick thank you, the first of which is to David in Scotland. Uh, David's a regular contributor and sends through photos of ships uh, visiting in Scotland. And this week was no different. We have a great uh, couple of snaps of Explorer 1 up in Scotland. Uh, So uh, thank you to, uh, to David for those. And we, of course, included those in today's show notes. Another thank you to those of you that are sending in questions. Uh, we're getting a couple a week right now. Uh, we're going to be weaving some of those in over the next uh, week or two. So uh, do if you do have a question, do send it through via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on Join the Show, and we will uh, do our best to answer those over the, the course of the coming weeks. Of course, no matter where you are in the world, uh, what uh, ship you may have uh, booked along the horizon, uh, again, if you want to share your cruise experience, you can do so in the form of a cruise review. Very easy and straightforward to do. You uh, just send us your availability and we arrange a, a small 20-minute window, have a chat online. Uh, it's all very, very easy and straightforward. And then, of course, we can share that with our fellow listeners. But uh, let's get this show on the road. Let's get Chris on the lane and let's start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. So good to be back into the rhythm of normality, which means, of course, we welcome back Chris Frame, our good friend and maritime historian. Chris, hello. Hello. Good to be back. It is, mate. It is. And uh, another great week in cruise. But before we get into uh, to the latest cruise news, we always like mm. to kick off with a little bit of maritime history. But before we even do that, literally, as I was logging in to record this podcast, an email dropped in and uh, yeah. uh, quite timely. So I thought I'd surprise you with this one. Came in from Andrew in Canada. And he says, mm-hmm. hey, guys, just finished 
guest episode talking about onboard QE2 during a storm. I believe this may be the cruise that arrived into New York when I was there. I may have arrived on the P&O Canberra on a three-week cruise round trip from Southampton to Bermuda and Miami too. Anyway, I was young at the time and recalled that the front page of the major New York newspaper showed a photograph of the ship close up with bent and twisted deck railings and the headlines, QE2 limps in after hurricane or something like that. Thanks for all that you do, Andrew in Canada. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, so um, she did have like some set-in plating at the front and the bent um, railing around the around the bow, and also the 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 wave that hit the ship. Um, it actually took the uh, forward whistle, which is on a tripod stand on the bow. Uh, it oh, knocked yeah. that off as well, and that was um, that was le- actually found later in a different place of the bow of the ship. It had been pushed all the way back to the to where the um, shell doors were that let you into the ship from the bow. So, um, uh-huh. he, yeah, probably that was. And Canberra, I think, was, um, you know, she was still in, I know she was still in service in 1995, so that's that all makes sense. So it sounds like it um, it was. That's awesome. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Andrew, for sending that one in. Yeah, thank um, you, Andrew. But let's, uh, let's move on to your chosen maritime history this week. Oh, very, very timely indeed. Not only have you got a great video that backs this up, which we'll talk about later, um, mm. but of course, Crystal has been reborn, has reemerged as a, a new version of itself. Yeah. And uh, today you thought it'd be quite an opportunity, given that the two ships are back, to talk about what was Crystal, how it, where it came from, and, uh, and what it is today, of course. Over to you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a friend of mine, maritime history author and um, another guest speaker, in fact, Bill Miller, who has yeah. hundreds of books about maritime history and you know, story for another podcast, but he actually helped uh, Rochelle and I get our first book published. So he's a he's a very, very nice, uh, very generous man. But he's um, on board one of the crystal ships at the moment, and he sends through this little um, update each each day on, on his on his travels, and oh, yeah. it's making me uh, making me more and more wish that I could uh, experience the crystal experience because it sounds amazing. Um, but the brand itself, Baz, it started all the way back in 1988. It was founded. It, was a subsidiary of NYK, which is a mm-hmm. Japanese shipping company, and and NYK has an as a history of its own. Actually, it's uh, been around for for decades. It had a passenger ship fleet. It had cargo ships, and in the ni- late nineteen eighties, they were looking at um, sort of reemerging into the um, growing at the time cruise industry, uh, and they they set about building two ships almost simultaneously. There was the Asuka who was um, laid down to be built for uh, NYK. Uh, and then at the same time, they actually laid down another ship called the Crystal Harmony, which was going to be put into service as the first ship for their Crystal Cruises brand. Um, and the the difference between the two was that the Crystal Cruises brand was going to be focusing on international cr- cruising, whilst the NYK brand with a, with its ship was going to focus solely on the domestic Japanese market. So you had two different ships with two different sort of um, mm-hmm. purposes, I suppose. And they both had similar profiles, but the Crystal ship was the Crystal Harmony. She was larger. She was around 51,000 uh, gross tons. And um, she entered service uh, a few years later. And so in the 1990s, you had this, this ship that was sailing under the Crystal Cruises brand, and it went really well. Um, in her early career, she actually was um, was chartered as a um, hotel ship for the Barcelona Olympics, mm-hmm. and um, op- operated there, and uh, and then did cruising sort of globally around around the world in different locations. Um, 
So that was successful enough that they then decided to build a, a sister ship, and that was Crystal Symphony. And she was built in Finland and entered service in in the mid-1990s, and she too became very, very popular. And you had these two ships that sort of represented this Crystal Cruises offering um, that were known for being relatively large ships for the uh, top end of the market at the time, particularly in the 1990s when the very luxurious ships were generally the very small sea goddesses or the yep. seaborne ships. Crystal had ships that were over 50,000 tons, which was considered to be pretty big for a luxury product. Um, and Look, they did really well, and people people started to really enjoy sailing with them. Um, you had high levels of repeat guests. Um, the Crystal Symphony came to our waters, Baz, mm-hmm. and was yep. a hotel ship here during the 2000 Olympics. So these ships were obviously um, appealing for people, not just on the cruise trips, but also as a luxury hotel offering as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2003, they, they built a larger version of the, of the ships, um, called it Crystal Serenity and she entered service and it was the largest ship in their, their fleet over 60, over 60,000, 68,000 tons, I think it is. Um, and at a couple of years after that, the, um, NYK line decided to, to retire Asuka and move, um, the, the Crystal Harmony across to become a Suka 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, they needed a, a ship that was larger for the Japanese market. The, the, um, the demand was quite high and Crystal Harmony rather, um, they moved across to become a Suka 2. And she was, um, she was, you know, already very highly rated. So that was able to boost the offering in the Japanese domestic market. Mm-hmm. Um, so it left Crystal with, with the two ships, um, Symphony and Serenity. And they were continuing to sort of offer that high-end product and was very, very popular until 2015 when um, MYK sold the brand to Genting, um, which, as we know, already had um, cruise brands. It had mm-hmm. uh, Dream Cruises, Baz, um, and also Star Cruises in, yeah. the, um, in the Asian market. So they, they acquired Crystal as a way to sort of boost their uh i guess their luxury offering i suppose and this saw a, a period of change for the brand it went from having those two two ships and having that whole focus on these two very luxurious vessels to expanding the offering and that included things like um going into luxury yachts with um with a couple of ships that they they ordered um or acquired to to operate uh, in that sort of high high end market, such as the Crystal Esprit, and they mm-hmm. they laid down Crystal Endeavour, which was to be built at a, at a shipyard that actually Genting also owned or co-owned at the time. Um, and they also invested in river cruising, so they expanded into the into the river cruising market, particularly in in Europe, actually, with a number of river cruising ships. And all um, that happened over a really short space of time as well, didn't it? It did. You know, it was really quick. They they just really. Um, ballooned out in terms of size they even um, acquired a boeing 777 aircraft that had been specially um, turned into a luxury giant business jet i suppose Mm -hmm. to fly passengers to and from their offerings the high-end passengers around they called it crystal sky um, Mm -hmm. this this um, airplane so you know a lot of change and quite far away by this stage from the core idea of the brand which was to have very very high service on 
small number of ships, I suppose. Now it's yep. getting quite big. Um, and you'll also remember probably the crazy um, excitement, I suppose, around um, the announcement that they were going to look at uh, acquiring the SS United States ocean liner, yeah, of course, <laughs> and turning it into a um, into a luxury passenger ship. Of course, that never happened, but there was a lot of a lot of um, excitement around that idea at the time. Anyway, um, just like all the other cruise lines in 2020, they had to go into um, layup because of the pandemic. And uh, look, I mean, Genting's brands, including Star Cruises and Dream Cruises, actually resumed cruising before many of the other international cruise brands did. We, we were talking, you and I, back in 2021 about um, mm-hmm. the local cruises in, I think it was Hong Kong and, and Singapore, yep. um, that that uh, Dream Cruises was doing. But ultimately, Genting Hong Kong, which was the owner of the ships, um, was in quite deep financial trouble and it's um it sort of collapsed or ceased operations in january 2022 and took with it um the 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 three cruise brands that they that they owned and this was devastating for people who loved crystal because these ships particularly um the serenity and the symphony they were still so so beloved they were so unique um and i think it it's interesting because while star cruises and dream cruises disappeared you know we don't no one came to save them at the eleventh hour or anything. The the loyalty and passion that passengers had for the crystal ships, I think, gave them a lifeline, mm-hmm. um, which led to the A and K Travel Group um, acquiring um, the these two ships and the crystal brand, and they've rebooted it. And uh, you know, true to the original concept of the company, they didn't just acquire the ships you know, give them a clean and stick them back into service. They actually sent them across to Italy and they were given very extensive refits mm. before re- returning to service. And this is quite interesting because the crystal ships used to get overhauls oh. much more of- often than many cruise ships do. And that's one of the things that was keeping them at the top of their game, even though they are now sort of a design that's, you know, several decades old. They were... um uh, when they were with NYK, they were very much looked after and loved and 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 cared for very very um, you know uh, uniquely in the market, and uh, and the same thing seems to be happening with their new owners, having given them those refits. So, um, Crystal Serenity entered service uh, first. She returned to cruising in June of this year. Mm-hmm. Crystal Symphony just recently, last month or so, has gone back into service, um, and. Apparently, from what I'm reading, particularly from from seeing what Bill's doing, they've got a lot of um, a lot of the original crew have come back. They've got a lot of the original cruise directors back. The guest entertainment program is back to the way it used to be. People remember it, and uh, you know, it's really is a, a rare success story that we've seen coming out of the post pandemic world with uh, a cruise line that looked like it was lost being saved. Yeah, no, it is. It's an incredible story. And um, I did read somewhere about some of the, the levels of detail that they had to go to as part of the, the refurbishments and enhancements. Mm. And it was simple things like they needed a new switch or router or something for the phone system, but mm-hmm. trying to source that and actually get it delivered to the ship in time was just like an incredible feat, but they did manage to pull it off. Mm. And then, of course, there is the, the soft furnishings and the, the level of detail that does go into a crystal ship that really sets them apart. But as you say... 
it is the crew uh, that's what was that's what made crystal what crystal was and the mm. fact that they've been able to bring the majority of that crew back um should stand them in very very good stead and i'm hearing great things from the travel agent community that have uh, recently experienced it as well that's great and as you mentioned i've, I've got a a video about um about crystal's rebirth um mm-hmm. crystal's comeback <laughs> it's a great um, one. which oh thank you and um it, it shows quite a lot of the interiors that they've that they've released on the new um, post refit uh, imagery. So if anyone's interested in seeing what the crystal ships look like, or just looking at the history in a little bit more detail, it's um, up there on my YouTube channel. Of course, and the link is always in the show notes as well. Thanks, Baz. Chris, let's take a very short break and let's come back with the latest cruise news. Let's do it. Subscribe now and rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. So, Chris, first up, we've got four items of news from Carnival Cruise Lines alone. Mm. So let's kick off with the first one, that Carnival Luminosa is bound for Brisbane. Yeah, so she has, um, when she arrives back, she'll have had 155 days away from her um, Southern Hemisphere home port, but um, she's on her way back. Of course, Carnival Luminosa is the... One of the newer ships in the Carnival fleet, having been moved across from Costa uh, last last season, um, so she's a little bit different from the others. She's the one that has the um, the funnel that's in a in a different configuration, but it still has the beautiful Carnival colours on it. Um, and she has departed Seattle now to make her thirty one day Trans Pacific voyage back down to Queensland. Yeah, now she's done 19 sailings up in Alaska. When she gets down mm. here on the 15th of October, she'll kick off with her first cruise um, along the, the Queensland coast there, um, which will be a seven-night voyage on the 15th of October, as I mentioned. Have um, you been on board? No, I haven't. And do you know what? I'm hearing good things. Yeah, I was a little nervous because um, Carnival Splendor does have quite a good loyal following down here. Um, but from what I'm hearing, Luminosa could possibly be outperforming um, in the, the kind of service and the experience on board. So um, she's certainly shaking things up in, in Brisbane, that's for sure. That's amazing. That's cool. Also this week, uh, Carnival helped the uh, Bahamas celebrate their 50th anniversary. Absolutely. I mean, the Bahamas is such an important part of the Carnival itinerary as well. They have a lot of uh, voyages in the mm. North American market that go there. Um, and so they celebrated um, uh, with the Mardi Gras, which is, I think, their, their flagship and one of the largest ships, one of the two, I think, largest ships that they've got in their fleet. Yeah. They celebrated with a junk canoe, whatever that may be, but uh, it says here that it's a national cultural festival uh, that has taken place. And they've had 150 mm. government, community, and business leaders from the community join the ship uh, in uh, in Nassau and, uh, yeah, make, make way for the big celebrations. As, as yeah. you say, so many ships visit the Bahamas as part of the, the their itineraries. It is such a staple of uh, cruising from Miami. Absolutely. And coming back closer to home, um, Carnival have also announced the jam-packed Melbourne Cup Festival, which is, of course, the horse race down here for those people that don't live in Australia. Um, there is a cruise that is round-trip Sydney, departing 5 November. Um, and they've basically given us a little insight into some of the entertainment and activity that is taking place with the racing theme. Yeah, they've got um, a heap of uh, unique uh, activities on board. They've got uh, a number of models, creators, um, body positivity influencers uh, on board the ship, um, as well as uh, masterclasses that they're going to be hosting on board, a style masterclass at sea. Um, and, of course, um, they've got a number of... Um, 
horse racing themed activities as well, including exclusive Q&A sessions um, with uh, a Melbourne Cup winner and Hall of Fame, um, Jimmy Pumper Cassidy. Mm. Yeah, no, it's always popular. Um, horse racing is not really my thing, but uh, this cruise always does well. In fact, there's a number mm. of cruise lines down here that uh, do do a similar activity. So uh, You know, it's interesting. The Melbourne Cup is um, it, it's a, a national sort of celebration, particularly in Victoria where they have a, the state of a Victoria. Public they have a, <laughs> a public holiday for it. Yeah, exactly. And, and a parade and stuff. But it's as time goes on, Baz, it's getting more and more divisive. I think there's, there's a growing um, number of people who – yeah. who question whether or not so much um, attention or you know, activity or money should be spent on, on, on a horse race and the animal, animal welfare groups and mm. stuff. So it's an interesting change in Australian culture that um, back you know, in the early 2000s or late, late 90s, you know, Melbourne Cup was sort of, sort of loved by all. Now it's, it raises some questions. So. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> and the last news from Carnival this week is around uh, Carnival expanding Family Feud. Now, Family mm. Feud is a game show in the US. It's got a different name in the UK, Family Fortunes. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we have this game down in Australia, but it is very, very popular. And I think... This, to me, is what sets Carnival apart. It's not all about, don't get me wrong, they do have great big shows, but it's a lot about audience participation or mm. watching audience participation. You don't have to be in the shows, you don't have to be part of the activity, but part of the fun is watching the interaction of the cruise director with some of the guests partaking yeah. in different activities on board, and this this is just brilliant. Yeah. I think they used to play Family Food on like Channel Ten or something back in the nineties. Oh, really? <laughs> I think it might have been broadcast in from from America. But um, you know, they're going to have um, this added to Carnival Vista. She's the next ship that's going to to offer it, and then Carnival Legend, um, and then also uh, Carnival Pride, and Carnival Miracle. So they're sort of expanding it out across the fleet. Yeah, and the dates for the different ships that are getting it, it will be in the show notes. If you want to have a quick look, you can do so. Um, just looking there locally, Luminosa will be receiving it in June of next year. So for June of 2024, so when she gets back later in that year in Australia, she, she'll be ready to share um, Family Feud with you. Yeah. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Chris, we talked about MSC and mm-hmm. their first net zero voyage. That has happened. It's unbidden way and msc this week shared some of the learnings that they took from the uh, the net zero sailing of msc eurobia yeah so the voyage was um from saint nazaire in france to copenhagen in denmark and it took place between the 3rd and the 8th of june mm-hmm. um it included a day stop in amsterdam and they found that their ship the um, msc eurobia um performed 11 percent better than her twin um, which was operating using the standard um, fuel and and, um, and and style that they had on board. Yeah, saved 43 tonnes of fuel, um, mm. sailing at optimal speeds, uh, using all sorts of different trim and engine configurations to make sure that it, it was performing at its best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you say, it completely outperformed, and uh, they're using all this... Uh, Information that they've managed to acquire, not only to help the the, the cruise division, but also how to help the uh, the commercial shipping division, which of course has way more ships than the the cruise. Oh, division. absolutely. So, uh, but you know what's interesting when you look at this here? I mean, it's obviously the the ship itself was operating using bio LNG as its fuel, mm-hmm. but they have noted that the ship never had to use more than two of its four engines, mm-hmm. and it required. Well, it utilized all of the heat for the galleys, heating systems, hot water, by recovering it from the engines rather than having to switch on the boilers. Now, mm. these are um, 
these are you know important and in hindsight extremely obvious ways to make the ship more efficient but yep. the fact that they've done it and they've proven the cost saving and the fuel saving and all that sort of thing it means that they're that there is really no excuse for other brands not to follow suit. This is the sort of thing that we should be seeing rolled out across all shipping companies that have these sorts of engines in their ships because, you know, all the way back in the 1980s, for example, um, when they were building um, ships with diesel power plants, they were they were adding in things like heat recovery systems into the into their ships' uptakes to, to power mm -hmm. um, boilers and, and to reduce the need to, to put in oil-fed boilers and stuff. So... Um, it's great. It's wonderful news. And hopefully everybody else sees this and goes, look, we can do this too. Yeah, I'm sure um, MSC will be, be sharing mm. it with their clear counterparts to, to you know, oh, for make, sure. it, make it available for all. And look, when, once you see a cost saving, um, mm -hmm. everybody from the, from the sort of shareholders down um, has, has no reason but to get behind it because you're performing 11% better. That's a lot of fuel. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Well done, MSC. Now, this next bit of news, in fact, this next bit of news from a couple of cruise lines is scaring me a little bit, Chris, because we're talking about 2026. Oh, no, Barry, don't. We'll hold this one for 2025's uh, Big Cruise Podcast episode, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> oh, I just feel like we get... I, I can't deal with uh, September of 2023 right now, let alone 2026. <laughs> well, you know, this interesting... Um, change in the post-pandemic world, and you would have seen it even more than I would, I, I think. But because there's such a high demand to sort of get back into cruising for for the first um, release of cruise itineraries when things mm -hmm. opened up again, the the ability to book a cruise in advance now means that you have the cruise lines are having to push these um, yep. sort of these availability schedules out well into the future, which is quite unusual in the historic perspective. But um, I don't think we're going to see it go back the other way, to be honest. No, no. So Windstar have said that they've got their winter, or this is the northern winter, 2025, 2026, uh, mm. and there's a whole heap of itineraries, but they've particularly focused on the Canary Islands, which is new for them. Um, they're going to be sailing um, the uh, 148 guest Windstar, uh, which mm. is, of course, the, the sailing yacht around the mm -hmm. Canary Islands, which I think will actually do really, really well. Mm. Uh, the Canary Islands are known for their winds, so this will be able to use the sails a lot more, which uh, I think will, uh, will appeal to people that want to do the Canary Islands, but do it a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they're returning to the Middle East, which is proving popular for many, many cruise lines. So I'm no doubt that will be popular as well. And of course, they're reminding us that they have been sailing in Tahiti for, for 35 years. And of course, that remains a big staple of everything that they do. It's remarkable. And that's your, one of your favorite um, ships, isn't it, Windstar? Yes, yes. They, they're yeah. the bigger ship. Yeah, yeah. No, she's beautiful. Um, next, Viking are also talking 2026, but they're talking about the Nile. They are, yes. They've got um, voyages and, and bookings now available for their 2026 Nile voyages. It's going to be offered on board their, their Viking Sebek, which is um, joining the fleet. It's the sixth ship that's operating um, on these 12-day these uh, voyages. And um, their 2024 Egyptian season has nearly sold out already. So there's you know huge demand um, for that into 2025. And then again, obviously, now releasing 2026. Well done, Viking. And also for Viking, they've added in more departures on a very popular itinerary, London, Paris, and D-Day River Voyage. And that's, uh, mm. again, being rolled out through to November of 2025. Yeah, so, I mean, it was um, the first idea behind this was for the 80th anniversary of mm -hmm. um, the D-Day landings. And apparently it's, um, that was, it's had such high demand that they decided to, to repeat it. 
Yeah, so they, they start their four-day journey in London. They visit the World War II historic sites of the Churchill War Rooms, Bletchley Park, which was mm. the uh, the, code, the home of the Codebreakers, of course. Yep. Then they continue on to the Imperial War Museum, uh, Gunwharf Keys, the D-Day Museum, and Southwick House, where uh, General Dwight uh, plans Operation Overlords. And then, of course, they continue on to France, sailing down the Seine, and then heading out to, uh, to the beaches to, uh, to see uh, the activity there as well. Yeah, it's so important for us to remember what happened um, and the sacrifice that was made during World War II um, because, you know, tensions in the world are quite high at the moment and uh, it's it's good to see that people aren't forgetting yep. the, um, you know, the monumental cost of war and hopefully um, can get, a, you know, a unique cultural experience out of it at the same time. From history to Hollywood next, Chris, Princess mm. Cruises are rolling out the red carpet on three California coast on three California coastal Hollywood insider theme cruises. Well, that's a mouthful. Oh, <laughs> They're yes. all taking place me. in October 2023. <laughs> yes, Majestic Princess in October, as you said. Um, she's doing the five-day Pacific Coastal um, from Vancouver to Los Angeles. They've got Crown Princess, um, who's doing a three-day uh, voyage from Seattle to Vancouver. And then they've got Discovery Princess, which is doing a seven-day classic California coast voyage from Los Angeles. <laughs> so the first one is an 80s primetime stars. Mm. The second one is behind the scenes and special effects. And the third one mm. is music connections. <laughs> There's a lot of information in the show notes. I'll, I'll let listeners jump in if you're interested in hearing, um, a, you know, who's from Dallas is going to be on board the, the mm. 80s primetime stars show and more. But uh, yeah, lots of information in the show notes there if people are interested. Yeah, that's, um, which one would you choose? Honestly? Yeah. Probably none of them. <laughs> Barry. Not my thing. <laughs> uh, there's one here, the um, uh, the Crown Princesses one, um, behind the screen um, effects uh, on Crown Princess, and it has um, people from uh, who have worked on the Star Trek productions. So yeah. I, would, I would choose that one because I'm a bit of a fan of Star Trek as well. So. See, never got into it, so that's that's why I'm kind of a bit lost. Hey, well, we can always change that. There's <laughs> hours and hours on streaming services. <laughs> I'm surprised my kids haven't tried to get me into it, but uh, but yeah, no, not so far. Oh, maybe you know, we always have um, a lot of friends who are Star Star Wars fans and kind of look at me funny when I <laughs> mention anything to do with um, the Enterprise or Captain Picard or Captain Janeway. <laughs> they kind of think, who who is this person? So <laughs> it's not for everyone. Love it, love it. And in the last bit of news, Chris, um, actually, I shared this video with you today. Fred Olsen have just released a uh, TV campaign in the mm. UK, um, and I love it. It's just, it's so traditionally cruise, but still modern enough, if, you, if that's yeah, the right yeah, word. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So they're celebrating that 175 years is poured into every single day of every single cruise. And I have got the link to that video in the show notes, but uh, yeah, just take a look. It's, it's a cracking little 30-second uh, video. Yeah, and people forget how longer history um, Fred Olsen has had, and it's quite a rich history in shipping and also in cruising. Do you know we should uh, we should do that as Maritime History World Week because of course they've got not only the cruise ships, they've got the ferries and the Canary Islands, and yeah, just yeah. Like, such a long maritime history there. It's a an iconic oh yeah, family, it dates back to the era of sail, I think. Mm, yeah, so let's yeah. let's weave that in a couple of weeks, I reckon. Sounds good. And that, my friend, is all we've got in cruise news for this week. I know, short episode this time around. There it you is, go. it is. Um, yeah. We have got some uh, some great images from David in Scotland, which I will drop in as well. He had oh, uh, you, Explorer 1 
um, which was up in Scotland. Um, some cracking images yet again. So a reminder to the listeners, if you've got a question, if you want to share some photos, if you want to have a chat, just do so via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on Join the Show, and uh, that lands with myself. And uh, we might bring Fact or Fiction back in a couple of weeks. So if you want to challenge myself... Yeah. Send uh, send a, a fact or fiction through to Chris via his uh, his YouTube or his uh, yeah his personal website. Chris, which is yeah, just go to chrisframe.com.au and there's um you can click on a contact form which will open up and you can send me a question or a fact or fiction for Baz and that way he doesn't see it so <laughs> he won't he won't be able to prepare. He always, Likewise, if you've got a really hard one for Chris, send it to me via that website. <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't do that. Not at all. <laughs> if you've got a hard one for Chris, send it to me and I'll do some research first. <laughs> oh, Barry. Well, just a reminder, the, uh, the latest video for Chris is in the show notes. Take a look. It is a cracker. I think it's really good. Well done, mate. And uh, such a back catalogue there if anybody's interested in delving deeper yeah. into what Chris has been talking about for quite some time now. And then just a reminder to everybody that, um, of course, the podcast is up for that um, that award with the Australian Podcast Award, the Listener Choice Award. Um, it, voting is open until the end of October, I believe. So mm. we just want to remind you each week, um, if you've got um, spare 30 seconds, mm-hmm. head across to australianpodcastawards.com slash voting and um, type in Big Cruise Podcast, the Big Cruise Podcast. And if you just put in your your name and they need a verification email so you can prove that you are human, um, and then we get a, a vote and uh, it, it all goes towards maybe getting us um, into the, to be acknowledged by the podcast awards, in which case we'll um, be very, very grateful, uh, I guess, because um, such a small podcast against some massive national podcasts that are up there. Mm. Um, and it would be wonderful to see the, the big Cruise podcast being, being acknowledged on a national stage. It would be really exciting. Yeah, and thank you to everybody that has voted already because so many Absolutely. of you have literally sent messages through to say, Done, yeah, we voted, thank you. Oh, so they're wonderful, really aren't they? a lot. Yeah. yeah, no, thank you. And it's it's always wonderful to to hear from people who have written in as well when Barry has the the note the, the you know, the messages from, from listeners in the show notes. It's always great to have people like David who's sending us these pictures um from, from his from his home ports. Uh if you've got photographs of ships that you'd like to share with us as well you can do that through through the um contact form on the website as well so um it's great to hear from everybody it's really it really is fun to hear everybody's perspective that just reminds me actually chris i had a message that i forgot to share with you that confirmed in north america they do refer to poop rather than poo did you? And well, I that forget did... who sent that in, but thank you whoever did. <laughs> that is very important information. <laughs> I can't even remember why we were talking about that, but <laughs> oh, you know, it was the week that um, it was the week that you were away, um, and I was talking about the video that I'd done about where the sewage on the ship goes, and ah, just ended right, up sure, yep. talking myself down a rabbit hole about <laughs> having done some research into what the best title might be, and there's a whole debate in the. I think it's a core of forums as to whether or not it's poo or poop in the United States. So <laughs> somebody obviously heard me do it. I, I thought to myself afterwards, why were you, why did you dedicate five minutes of people's lives to hear, to hear that conversation? But yeah. um, thank you so much for confirming that one. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, mate. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up for this week. We'll of course be back same time next week with more uh, maritime history, maybe a few listener questions, cruise news, and uh, maybe a fact or fiction. We'll see. Sounds good. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.